You ready? Yeah. Yeah. And now, from beautiful Austin-adjacent Leander, Texas, uh, now episode 301, a show that debuted on iTunes six years ago today. That's right. We've been talking shit about movies so long, we don't know how to do anything else. Nope. He is Clarkson. Uh I am Jim. And we are the Film Thugs. And I hit the shit out of that post. Good job. Uh, yes. Welcome to it. We are back. And everything is wonderful. Please, if you like what we're doing here, rate and review us on iTunes. That shit helps out, evidently. Do it. Um, Also, check us out at www.thefilmthugs.com. If you want more of this type of thing in a different way, go to www.thelifemasters.podbean.com and get ready next month. The Masterthon. Hear me! The Masterthon. 15 days straight of life coaching, 15 days to a better you. Let that word resound. VJ sent me a thing about, oh, I need this sound drop sound drop for the episode I'm going to be on. I was like, you mean for the 15 episodes yeah. that we are going to record <laughs> in one sitting? Yes. <laughs> Speaking of in one sitting, I watched the entire Godfather epic yes. yesterday in one sitting. As I sat down and I thought, I'm just going to watch the beginning of this. No, it's too fucking good to do that with. Right. It was engrossing and just amazing. And I was writing throughout the night on Facebook about it. And then I, I wrote saw that. And they've changed it to Jim Book. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Then I uh, I wrote my long rambling. I read that. Tying it together at the end, my drunken first draft. Of, and I realized just watching it, Vito, seeing it in chronological order, Vito makes so much more sense because he is like patient calculating, looks out for his own people. Yeah. Because when he first sees Don Finucci, he's like, he treats Italians like that. Yeah. And then you realize with his background, patient, a nine-year-old who just crossed the ocean alone, sitting by himself in quarantine for three months. Yeah. That's where you learn patience. That contempt for treating your own that way Almost like a kid whose father, brother, and mother were murdered by a mob boss. Like, right. it's everything about him makes sense. And he is, honestly, I said mob violence aside, one of the most admirable characters ever created. Sure. I mean, when they're pointing out, like, isn't she beautiful? It, for you, for you, she's beautiful. For me, there's only my wife and son. Right. And you totally believe that. You totally believe that. Vito is not stepping out on his wife. Right. No, no, he is just. A good guy. Even if he did. Yeah. <laughs> In his head? Like, no. No, no. It's just my wife and son. He's an amazing character that I really gained an appreciation for in watching that and seeing how it sort of spun out of control with his kids. Yeah. And, you know, Michael, just the viciousness. Of... And in the end, him sitting alone, much yeah. like his father did when yeah. he came to the country. Oh, such good stuff. But yeah, the Godfather epic. Totally, totally worth the time That's that awesome. it takes to view. Uh, what did you man. watch it on? What platform? Uh, HBO Go. Oh, okay. It was on HBO Go, yeah. I drank two bottles of Coppola wine. Ooh. Oh, my. Yes. Uh, several beers mm. uh, and some, some whiskey. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good night. <laughs> I'm in the house by myself for a while, for going on three weeks now, so it's like, I'm going to drink. I don't care about nothing. Fuck it all. Oh, Italian motherfucker. <laughs> That's right. 
Yeah. And speaking of, I purchased a new tchotchke for the table because it's amazing and they missed the best naming opportunity. It's not called Van Solo? It's not called Van Solo. It is like the 1970 Astro Van. No, no that should no. if that that should be called Van Solo. It's I, it Van is so, Solo. It is it's so obviously obvious. Van Solo. It is a Matchbox van with Han Solo on the side of it. How it's called anything but Van Solo? I don't know. Makes no sense. Well, his name is Han, not Van, so. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. So there it is. Mm. Van Solo. It's a shame. It's where it should be. Waste of <sighs> a goddamn time. Exactly. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Hey, Cruise One, Iowa. <clears throat> That is my new multi-purpose sound drop. Yep. I think that one is the best one Four to years, have. Get it ready. Uh-huh. Four years ago, mm-hmm. in the past. Yes. Hey, uh, Santorum One, Iowa. Four more years in the past. Hey, Huckabee One, Iowa. <laughs> Mm. Keep on being Iowa, Iowa. Yeah, you sexy bitch. <laughs> Hear me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's. <sighs> I just refer to the photo I sent you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a peen. <laughs> He's not going to win, honestly. I love the radio commercials with Phil Robertson, though. Yeah. I do. Senator Ted Cruz. Well, I'm just waiting for the for the maneuvering to happen that's going to push Rubio forward, because that's what's going to happen. Well, that's already in play. Oh, Apparently, yeah. he had a bad night Saturday night. Yeah. The, the uh. bad, I don't know. I didn't watch well, a goddamn thing. It, it's I've been fascinated by the way the shit works from... Uh, I was dating somebody who was a heavy Obama supporter. Mm. Hillary Clinton won the Texas primary mm-hmm. in that, that year. She won it. But you not only had to vote in the primary, but then you then later had to go and caucus later that night. So Obama got almost all of the Texas delegates because more people showed up to Texas caucus for Texas, Texas. In Texas. So I know that there are ways that you can monkey shit within the party to get it to who is a, the electable one mm-hmm. to get in place there. So, yeah. No faith in the system. No. It's fun, though. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. Really. Ugh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one. That's it's an interesting a... one. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's my uh, some toto. Yeah, uh, I give a shit about politics for the moment. Yeah, of the the show. That's it. Thanks. Well, I have realized that I am actually a pretty decent card player when I play the way I should play, and I'm comfortable playing. I'm pretty damn good at it. Poker, exactly. Just, just, I just take it out at the beginning. I'm like, look at it. Look at that. What I love now is this show is 100 percent hosted by 40 year old men. That's right. Yep, 40 year old man here. 40. 40, 40 years. Yep. It's not Here enough time yeah. not to see the things you want to see. <laughs> and I think that that 40-year age is uh, 
an appropriate lens with which to view today's movie. Do we want to just jump into it or let me yeah. uh, let me lead off with this? Mm-hmm. When Hunter S. Thompson described Gonzo journalism, he said, "Objective journalism is one of the main reasons American politics has been allowed to be so corrupt for so long. You can't be objective about Nixon." I agree. Yeah. And uh, you can't be objective about Hillary Clinton. No. Or Cruz. No. Nope. Or whomever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a big reason. Yeah. It's probably a reason, a giant bag of reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. okay. Uh-huh. All right. And I think that part of his, um, let's get Nixon, mm-hmm. is a big part of um, reason some of this. The, the the fangs of this sort of writing got as deep as they got. Right, right. Because we're taking on the bad guy. Yes, yes. Well, and I, if I'm honest, as somebody who has studied journalism and pays attention to journalism, objective journalism is a myth. Long, oh, yeah, the, yeah. oh my God. Just looking at shit, you, I can tell you who that reporter's going to vote for either side based off of the word, everything. It's it's not even an attempt to be fucking Oh, no, I think objective it's just, anymore. I, I don't even get off on the idea of, oh, you see that bias? See yeah. that bias? Yeah. I say bring it out. Yeah. Go, the truth for me is like Savitri Devi. It's on the extremes. Yeah. Make, go, go, go as far out as you can. Yeah. Make it obvious to me yeah. at least so that I'm able to, you know, figure it out. But oh, certainly. Fucking really. It's no, obje- objective journalism is a myth. Yeah. It's it, it long since has been. So. You want to, yeah. you, you, Fellers on the on the left want to get rid of the quote right wing unquote uh-huh. Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, okay. uh, attack that because that's yeah. his bread and butter. Is yeah. see that bias, see that bias, mm-hmm. see that bias. Yeah, golf. Yeah, uh, that no, there isn't any. Nope. We can just say there isn't, never has been. Uh-huh. We can just stick with that. Mm-hmm. Fucking own it and fly yeah, it out fine. there. Yeah, fine. Well, it may not take out Rush, but it will certainly take out uh, It'll th- fucking uh, Spin Zone. Oh, oh, fucking O'Reilly. because yeah, his porridge, you know. He just, oh, yeah. Well, I want to be some hardcore right wing, but not too much. Mm-hmm. I want you still to like me. Yeah, no Spin Zone. Oh, really God. fucking. <laughs> I made my feelings plain about this yeah, guy. Yeah, that fucking dildo. Uh, <clears throat> looking out for you. For you. Looking out for you. Patriots and pinheads. Let me answer all the mail. Mm. Uh, now Dennis Miller's on. Call everybody by their last name. The one, I was in the military. The one, no, he wasn't. The one thing I like, uh, the, the one statement Dennis Miller made that I tie into this. Mm. This is a movie that uh, a lot of the sentiment and whatnot behind it tied in with the behavior in this film is shocking the squares. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I love after the Miley Cyrus idiocy at the Video Music Awards when it's like, oh, how shocking was it? And Dennis Miller said, I'm not shocked, darling. I'm bored. Right. I'm bored with this idea that oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rub my crotch and that's gonna shock Middle America. No, not yeah. really. It's wow. You really want attention, don't you? It may have shocked 1964 Middle right. America. Uh huh. Yeah. And I think a big part of not just Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, the movie, but Fear and Loathing, the book. Yeah. A lot of what Hunter did with his writing. Mm-hmm. He's just a child of that era. He's just, yeah. he's yeah. from Kentucky. Yeah. In the South. 
and he's thrown into this world, uh, comes of age, uh-huh. uh, professionally anyway, mm-hmm. in this weird world that's fighting the yeah. old world and the quote new world. Right, right. Of the revolution. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it had a, a more profound impact, clearly, a more yeah. profound impact on the people that were there in the time yes. it happened yes. uh-huh. than us looking back, right. going, that's not a revolution. <laughs> that's just you having a good time. Yeah, it's very zeitgeisty yeah. for all of that. Let's not dress this up. Now, yeah. the upheaval is real. Yes. The oh, social upheaval is real. Yes. The uh-huh. war is real. Those uh-huh. things are real. Yes. I get all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand reacting to what was happening oh, around Oh, God, you. yes. Of uh-huh. course. Yeah. But let's not paint getting high and putting a flower in the barrel of the soldier's gun uh-huh. as saying, you know, you had some, as uh, Jonathan Bowden put in a speech about this, he said, what... Um, adolescent children coming fresh out of their cots wanting to smoke a bit of pot and stick it in mom and daddy's face. Yeah. It was not the same as leftism in or communism in Eastern Europe. Right. Where they were, it was cueing terror and the boot on the throat. Uh huh. When you're uh-huh. talking about revolution. Yes. You know? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, it's a, it's very American, a very self indulgent sort of, uh, sort of revolutionary ideology. Right. Of, well, it's, Real revolutionaries don't point at themselves and comment how important they are. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just doesn't happen. It's sort of, I remember there was an interview, I think it was with Heavy D, where someone asked him, What do you think of gangster rap? And he's like, There's no such thing. Gangsters don't dance. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Remember, like, if you're a revolutionary who's pointing, look at me, uh, look at what I'm doing. Not really and I don't know if even the people that went through this really have the same. Sort of affection that the younger generation. Yeah, there's a lot of romanticism going on. But I think of our generation and maybe the one prior, Uh rather than the people that actually went through it. I think if they, the people that went through that, Uh read Hunter Hunter S. Thompson or Uh read him when he was in the the magazines or whatever, right? Like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Whereas now it turns into a legend. Yeah. It. Yeah. In the way that that Zeppelin record was good to your. Dad, yeah. but to you, you think it's amazing. Yeah, you get it you know, in yeah, a different yeah, way. Yeah, my dad listened to it, and he told me it was important. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to make it as important as possible right, can. Right. Spread that to little brother, and little uh, brother says, oh, my God, it's so important. Yeah. So it oh, turns yeah. into something way out of his hands. Yes. You can almost see that in Hunter S. Thompson in later years. Uh-huh. He's kind of overwhelmed by it all. Yeah, yeah. Or at least that's what it seemed, because mm-hmm. he would just get more caved in and more caved in and more yeah. caved into himself. Yeah. Surrounded by Warren Sevon, a few friends, uh-huh. and the Owl Farm. Yes. And writing here and there. He um, has been quoted as saying he took from the Faulkner quote of, uh, fiction is sometimes a better fact. Yeah, yeah. And his writing, you know, Fear and Loving in Las Vegas very well could have been just him getting high in his room and coming up with all of this. Right. And probably that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's more entertaining mm-hmm. to do this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And maybe the people looking back from our perspective or our, our, our age or yeah. younger. Yeah. Slightly older even, maybe look back and just say, oh, wow, so yeah. deep, so profound, mm-hmm. so saying so much. And yeah. he does have moments yes, of clarity. Yes, he very where he, much does. Where, it, yeah. where he's swimming about and it dives deep. Yeah. Gets a big fish and comes back it's, up. It's the, the monologuing part. Yeah. The, you can see where the wave broke yeah. and what Timothy Leary didn't understand. Right. 
was the central conceit of the acid generation. Like, right. Okay, yes. yeah, you're nailing it. The rest of it is just him and Zeta Acosta being fucking dicks. Yes. And it really is them being dicks. Yeah. Now let's take a look. Have you, you have seen, I trust, the uh, Hunter S. Thompson daily routine. Yes. I'm going, yeah. for those who have not, we are going to read, I'm going to read this to you. This is Hunter S. Thompson's daily, daily routine beginning at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. rise. 3.05, Chivas Regal with the morning papers, Dunhills. 3.45, cocaine. 3.50, another glass of Chivas, Dunhill. 4.05, first cup of coffee and Dunhill. 4.15, cocaine. 4.16, orange juice, Dunhill. 4.30, cocaine. 4.54, cocaine. 5.05, cocaine. 5.11, coffee, Dunhills. 5.30, more ice in the Chivas. 5.45, cocaine, etc., etc. 6 o'clock, grass to take the edge off the day. 7.05, Woody Creek Tavern for lunch. Heineken, two margaritas, coleslaw, a taco salad, double order of fried onion rings, carrot, cra- carrot cake, ice cream, bean fritter, Dunhills, another Heineken, cocaine, and for the ride home, a snow cone, a glass of shredded ice over which is poured three or four jiggers of Chivas. 9 p.m. starts snorting cocaine seriously. <laughs> 10 p.m. drop acid. 11, chartreuse, cocaine, grass. 11.30, cocaine, etc., etc. Midnight, Hunter S. Thompson is ready to write. 12.05 to 6 a.m., chartreuse, cocaine, grass, chivas, coffee, Heineken, clove cigarettes, grapefruit, Dunhill, orange juice, gin, continuous pornographic movies. 6 o'clock a.m., the Hot Tub Champagne, Dove Bars, Fettuccine, Alfredo. 8 o'clock, Halcyon. 8.20, sleep. So that's his routine. He's a man who trained himself to take ungodly amounts of chemicals into his body. Yes. Um, now, in this movie, it's weird. When you're young, this is like, oh, it's so cool. Oh, this is so cool. Sure. All the time I'm watching it, part of me is thinking, some motherfucker has to clean up after these assholes. Yes. There's a lot of ketchup involved in this drug-fueled rage. Yeah. Like, oh, somebody, some poor bastard who's not getting paid enough, oh, this half my day, my day is cleaning up after this shithead. And that's, that's a problem I've always had. There, there is also, I think, a, a, something that appeals only to when you're young with the, you know, these squares coming to Vegas and doing the, the like. No, it's not that. There, there are people out there that work really hard at jobs they don't like. Yeah. And when they get a chance to go on a vacation, a place like Vegas, kind of cool. Can sort of do whatever I want. Can relax. Doing it in a way that you might not agree with. But, hey, this is my small amount of time off. Right. I'd kind of like to just kick. And they chose Vegas. And I'm choosing (laughs) Vegas. Yeah, that's what they want. But there is just this moral superiority stitched throughout this. And I think that that comes back to some sort of um, punk rock uh, um, 
persecution complex. Yeah. Look at them over there judging you. They're not looking at you at all, dude. Yeah, they're not. They're looking at the marquee behind you to see what time the show starts. Yeah, you, there's so much projection that right. I noticed with that, where it's like, yeah, all these people who are so superficial and judging me, look at them, and then you go on and superficially judge them. Right. And point out all of the little things that make them so uncool as opposed to your enlightened mind. No. They all look like car salesmen from Dallas. Mm. There are a lot of them at 4.30 a.m. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's- Or a, just dudes. Yeah, just dudes who are like, eh, I'm on vacation. I'll try Vegas. I'll check that out. Yeah. I'll see what it's like. I'll bet some money. Maybe win something. Maybe, Maybe not. not. Who knows? Um, I read this book. I didn't finish it. This was oh. one of those books that was like uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Or on the road. Get out of my head. Yes. Did, did I name the two? Yes. yes. On the, there's a certain age <laughs> when you've got your stack of Jim Morrison records. Oh, like, on yeah. the road, man. And then you look back, and the only thing you remember about on the road is pie, uh-huh. coffee, and trains. Yes. And you're not sure he had as much as any, all, any or all three of those right. uh, that were mentioned in the story. Yeah. You think it's really important. Because someone told you it's important. You thought the yes. howl from Ginsburg was good till you realize what Ginsburg likes to do with kids. <laughs> yes. Allegedly, in my opinion. Yeah. It's just, it's not that big a deal. Uh-huh. But again, as you said, we're four-year-olds looking at this. Well, here's the thing. As a teenager, I tried to get into all that shit. Yeah. I have a rule with a book that if I'm not into it within 50 pages, I stop. Oh, yeah. yeah. I stop. There's too many, too many books out there. I attempted to read On the Road four times. Each time I stopped really early because it's fucking nonsense. Right. I agree with Truman Capote's statement about it. That is not writing. It's typewriting. <laughs> I don't care one fucking bit for that book. Right. So, uh, 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 that's it. Into it. You know. Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance got about 20 pages in and said, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. This one got a little ways into it. Got to the part where, much like the movie, it loses its coolness. Once the motorcycle race is over, it's sort of okay. It's sort yeah. of just a collection of rooms and ketchup stains, and it's it's just a, a collection of rambling shit. You that just occurred. you're just making you're just counting making out time until we get to a monologue part. I have howl. You know how far into howl I've made it. Hmm. I've seen the greatest minds of my generation. Yeah, destroyed by yeah. madness, highlings hysterical in the street. That first that's as far as I've made it. I've tried going further, and I was like, nope. So no, I, I did a paper on the beat generation in high school, uh-huh. so I got all into that. Not yeah. into it, I read all of yeah, that. Yeah. I was into Burroughs, uh-huh. but even looking at that now, oh right. God, it was just high as a it's, high as giraffe pussy and writing yeah. about pirates and boys. It's like, so oh my, fun. it's so funny when you reach the age where those things that once upon you were told of their grand import become, oh, this is just some silly goddamn yeah. nonsense. It's a lot like an acid trip. Or any kind of hallucinogen with this kind of, either this movie, it's writing, mm-hmm. whatever. All of that stuff. Right. They're trying to bring information back after you've been to that spot. It's <laughs> hard to do. Yeah. And it comes off as just, <laughs> I saw this grid, and the mm-hmm. trees tried to eat me, and yeah. the train was talking. Rather than, oh, I really realize we're all one. Yeah. And then we're all at the same start. Mm-hmm. You see, you don't get the information back. Yeah, we're all concentrated bring... color. Yeah. But yeah. No. No. You can't bring that information back. No. And I have done a lot of this shit. No. Not to the quantity he did. Of no, course. no one does. No, no one, one does. has. Probably yeah. not even him. Right. I've let's be honest. I my my background with chemicals is 
basically as boring as it can get in the United States. Good for you and your brain. Yes, yes. I my my basic rule that I've always followed was no pills, no powders. Yeah. Nothing yeah. that does not in some way occur in nature. I had the same rule, <laughs> just the other way around. Right. All pills, all powders. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Let's do that. Yes. Because that seems like a great... What, we're, we're in Mexico yeah. too? Fuck yeah! Uh, Let's I, do it! I was a guy, if I was at a party where there was cocaine, I found a way to excuse myself from the scene <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it's like, we, I am out of here. How far are we from the border? <laughs> About an hour. I don't give a fuck! Uh, man. No, it's... It's an interesting... In reality? Yeah. He is a cop, and he's learning impaired. He's the retarded policeman. That's me. <laughs> this is one of those things that was hitting, like... This happened after the Nightmare at Altamont. Yes. This happened sort of after that generation. The, the weird uh, Twilight Zone yeah, of it, the early 70s. It's the great line from Almost Famous. It's a generation of Cinderella's who have no idea that it's, that it's almost midnight. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And, and that's really what it was. That, that hit and all of the, oh, everything is so great, went away. It yeah. went away because... Yes, there was a lot of great things that came out of it and a lot of shit that I agree with. Certainly. But there was also a lot of bullshit. A lot of bullshit. That even folks that were there for it would look back and go, oh, yeah, no, we didn't. No, that was stupid. No. That was very stupid. I mean, <sighs> so that's, that's how that shit goes. I mean, listen to the Country Joe and the Fish mm-hmm. performance of Woodstock where he's got the entire crowd chanting, fuck. Before you, give me an F, give me a U, give me a th- like, oh my God, so edgy. At the time, might have been, but really just, right. oh, come on, motherfucker. Right. But again, as I was telling you, imagine what it's like to have been one of the squares, one of the, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do as I should. Right, right. Where you're going out with girls in high school desperately trying to get some over the sweater action. Right. And you're seeing some filthy hippie who's nailing women four at a time. And it's like, hey, man, we're just like, yeah, you're going to get pissed off at him. Yeah, probably. Uh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Fuck you. you. Get just a flat top haircut. Yeah. Join the National Guard and crack some skulls. Exactly, yes. Yeah. You can see where the reaction yes. comes from. But a lot yeah. of it is just, motherfucker. God damn it. Why can't I be doing Yeah, I'm sure. a nice guy. Yeah, I'm unable to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I serve my community as a police officer. Yes. Now, my favorite pop-up in this, I did not realize it was Chris Maloney. <laughs> I thin. love Chris Maloney. He is, my statement on him has always been there. Are a lot of women who think he's he's more attractive than he is, and so do most men. <laughs> Chris Maloney, it's, it's like with Michael B. Jordan, whatever charisma is, he's got it. Right. Whatever sex appeal is, Somehow, no matter what, Chris, you look at him, component parts, kind of balding, big eyes with an intense glare, sort of crooked smile, should not be a dreamboat, but for somehow, he oh, absolutely is. You look like, fuck that, okay. Ooh, sexy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, damn, I didn't have it ready. Oh, well, too late for that. <laughs> too late for that. <laughs> Yes. Um, 
there is somehow that he combines to something you look at like, okay, I totally get why women are into this guy. It just, it's one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's something I don't know people who don't, who I, most people will probably agree, agree with me on that. You look at Chris Maloney, it's like, yeah. But him in this with hair on. In a matador outfit. In a, yes. <laughs> but the moment where that cop is screaming at him about having a room. <laughs> I don't control this. I've got what's on paper here. Right. This is where I'm supposed to tell you to go. What he's really thinking, I have put up with so much shit right. from assholes like you and now it's my fucking oh, turn screw you officer <laughs> i'm in charge yep and that's what i love is when he pops up when raul duke comes i'm trying to just like to get out of your way yeah. and oh yes i'll help you out with that i'd like to order this this there you it's honestly if you need anything just remember i'm sven, sven. yes <laughs> it, it's it's uh quarter service wriggle and uh bacardi uh quarter wild turkey how about uh, some grapefruit? I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's fantastic. He really is. He, he absolutely is, is. That's one of those things. I remembered that part, but I didn't know it was him because I didn't know who he was at the time. Right. And it's like in uh, Almost Famous. Uh, so I forget the mom's name. She called. She's a handful. <laughs> she freaked me out, man. That's Cameron from... Yeah. Uh, from from Modern Family. Like, holy shit. Dwight Schrute is also in Almost Famous. Right. Holy shit, that's him. But that's one of the cool little things it's hidden. Now, of course, the 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 heavy lifting in this movie is 100% on Johnny Depp's shoulders. Absolutely. He acquits himself perfectly. Oh, yeah. He, he is absolutely fantastic. It's one of those where uh, we've d- we discussed this. This is one of two... Performances as Hunter S. Thompson. Yes. Johnny Depp in this, Bill Murray in Where the Buffalo mm-hmm. Roam. This is one of those instances where Depp technically oh, has ab- it down absolutely. in Ran utter away with it. total transformation. When he was preparing for the role, he spent four months living with Hunter S. Thompson, for the most part, mm-hmm. at uh, the Owl Farm. Yeah. And at some point, either right before or right after, Bill Murray called Johnny, uh-huh. gave him some advice, and said, just be careful. Or you'll find yourself ten years from now still doing him. And so, whatever role you take next, he said, do something completely different. Yeah. Hope he did, mm-hmm. um, because yeah. Bill Murray is not at all. Does he look? Nope. But he kind of moves and kind of sounds when they have that nebulous statement of really captures the spirit. I never yeah. know what that means uh-huh. or what that meant. That's. Comes That's close to what, what that means. Yeah. Bill yeah. Murray and Where the Buffalo Roam just gets the spirit. Yes. Now, Fear and Loathing is obviously, the movie is gathered from Fear and Loathing yeah. uh, almost yeah. entirely. Uh, it's not Hunter S. Thompson, it's Raoul Duke. Wink, uh, wink. Right. And um, Where the Buffalo Roam draws from... Uh, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. Uh, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail and uh, right. Strange Rumblings in Atslan and the Banshee Screams for Buffalo Meat. Yes. All these things. Um the screenwriter, John K., you also used Fear and Loathing Campaign Trail, The Great Shark Hunt, and Fear and Loathing. Yeah. So it's this weird pastiche. Right, right. Of all, he's trying to cover as much Hunter S. Thompson mm-hmm. ground as possible. Mm-hmm. But there is, there are, excuse me, there are little things he does that if you watch Where the Buffalo Roam, followed by Fear and Loathing, you'll see the same. Yes. Like, yes. Swine? Uh-huh. Swine. You know. You want words? Yeah. yeah. 
There, there's a lot of Depp is that's one of this is one of those transformational type performances yes. where it's like okay he he is this guy he became this guy. Um, although now I cannot ever look at Johnny Depp without thinking. Uh, Hope reads this woman's blog online and mm. pointed out like next time you see Johnny Depp on an interview, just remember before he leaves the house every day, he has to place every necklace, every scarf, every ring, all of that, everything he's got on is a conscious choice that he looks in the mirror and goes, another scarf, another necklace, hat on my head, turn just this angle, rings on all the fingers just like this, another necklace, a pendant, I'm going to go bury this cross in the desert, another scarf. Here's my theory. It shockingly becomes less cool. He never takes it off. He never takes it off. The only thing that comes off is the hat. I think it also might be like Mr. T. Mm. Mr. T had all those necklaces, and when he took them off, it took like an hour to take all of them off. So he had all of those necklaces fused into one thing with a single clasp in the back. There you go. Maybe Johnny Depp just has this kit of scarves and necklaces. He probably got uh, some tips from Steven Tyler. Yeah. Like, hey. With the money he has now, I'm willing to bet that he's got like a Tony Stark Iron Man thing that as he walks out of the house, all these arms come out and just draping scarves and everything. And he's one robot that just rolls the cigarettes for him. Yeah. He seems like a cool guy. He really seems like a nice person. Um, have you seen that he listed his house in France for sale? And it is basically a small provincial French village. There's a big old house. It's on acreage. Of course. Of course and then there's is. like this little village with a bar and a bakery and a restaurant. Like fucking, oh, yes, I want I want to live there. Yes, I do. But it's precisely where you, you imagine he'd live. Yes. But it's one of those things where I'd like to see him settle into maybe his age a little more. He's feeling a little too much like, you know, that Hollywood starlet who's not letting it go. <laughs> and you kind of look at her like, dear. Don't, get, don't go full Sunset Boulevard. Johnny. Yeah, we know that we know you're getting plastic surgery. We know your breasts are fake. We know you've had a facelift. Please stop. It's getting no. into that kind of vibe where it's like, oh, Johnny, Johnny. Johnny, Johnny. Johnny, Johnny, no. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Fucking kick a hole in the sky. And I think he had a lot to prove with this role, too. Yeah, he Beyond yeah. uh, Where the Buffalo Rum, which yeah. I'm sure he was a fan of. Oh, yes. He's from Kentucky as well. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? I think, so. I think, I think so. so. I think so. Originally. So I think there was more writing on it. It's like, I've right. got to nail this fucking yeah. down. Yeah. Because I don't know. I, I've said, like I said before we watched the movie, Fear and Loathing is a better directed Mm-hmm. more finely crafted, better acted, uh-huh. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, technically, it ticks every su- box. superior to Where the Buffalo Rock. Yeah. But, but it's not yeah. as good a time. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Because I will watch Where the Buffalo Roam right now. Yeah. Fear I don't really and, want to watch that again. I have not watched Fear and Loathing. Like I bought that, and I think I watched it once with a Hunter commentary. Yeah. I and I have it. not opened that box since. I've seen it. A handful of times mm. since I saw it in the theater originally, and I've listened to the commentary uh-huh. and all that. Um, but what drove me to that uh-huh. was where the Buffalo Roam. Right. Because well, I saw that first, then I read more stuff. So my my, uh, my experience with this film is mm. as follows. My, old, my friend Sherry and I, hanging out, we were going to go see this and Godzilla 
back to back on their opening Friday mornings. All right. Because uh, it came out on the same day at the Cinemark in Pflugerville. Mm-hmm. Um, we were staying up late. We were just watching TV and joking around, having a good time. And we hit a point where it's like, fuck it. We're just going to stay awake. We're just going to stay up through the night. Right. So I saw Fear and Loathing for the first time on no sleep from the night before. Then I saw Godzilla and fell asleep and still have not seen Madison Square Garden blow up because I slept through that because that movie was ass. Yeah, it's not good. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. But I remember this, and I think that's a good environment in which to see this movie for the first time. Sure. I have made no secret that I am not a fan of Terry Gilliam. Right. I'm not. Uh, Rewatched 12 Monkeys by a year ago with Hope. It was so fucking just, it felt like it was never going to end. Right. Seriously, it's there's parts of it that are cool, but there are too many parts where it is this like willfully weird for the sake of weirdness that I don't care for. Yeah, there's a lot of where Gilliam is a blessing and a curse in this movie. Yes. Uh, becomes a little claustrophobic. Uh-huh. I don't think it needed to be. Right. A little bit of the same note for a uh-huh. too long. Right. Uh, Kiddo, the, it's not- the same angle <laughs> one too many times. Uh-huh. And it becomes kind of a chore. Here's what I feel like with it, and I'm going to show it to you. You guys are going to be able to hear it. This is Peter Dinklage in the movie Living in Oblivion. Living in Oblivion is about uh, Steve Buscemi as this director trying to get the, trying to get some shots for this independent film that he's doing. Peter Dinklage plays a character named Tito, who is appearing in a dream sequence wearing a powder blue tuxedo with a top hat. Okay, yeah. Here we Tito, go. Tito, it's not that big of a deal. It's a dream. Strange things happen in a dream. All I want you to do is laugh. Why is that such a problem for you? Why does it have to be a dwarf? What? Why does my character have to be a dwarf? It doesn't have to be a dwarf. (laughs) Then why is he? Is that the only way you can make this a dream? Put a dwarf in it? No, Tito. Have you ever had a dream with a dwarf in it? Do you know anyone who's had a dream with a dwarf in it? No! I don't even have dreams with dwarves in them. The only place I've seen dwarves in dreams is in stupid movies like this. Oh, make it weird. Put a dwarf in it. Everyone will go, whoa, whoa, whoa. It must be a fucking dream. There's a fucking dwarf in it. Well, I'm sick of it. You can take this dream sequence and shove it up your ass. (laughs) That is my favorite Peter Dinklage moment ever. And this movie is lousy with fucking dwarves for no reason other than we need to make this weird, so put a dwarf in it. Because Lord knows, dwarves don't do anything normal, and if a dwarf is there, it must be weird as shit. <laughs> it's all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like They're I, in L.A. Yeah. They're in Vegas. Mm-hmm. They're at the wedding chapel. Yeah. Like an hours later. Fucking everywhere. Dwarf, dwarf, dwarf. Fucking Vern Troyer pops up Vern in one Troyer. before he gets known as mini This movie is two hours uh-huh. flat. Yes. I checked my phone and watch a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It felt like four. Yeah. I was like, are we going to do this show and Live Masters? I don't know. Yeah, this is gonna Sunday is fucking wearing off, yeah. man. This is going to be this this is a long time, Jim. Yeah. I don't know about that. Wait a minute. Yeah. It's two hours. Yeah, it's two hours. That's, yeah. Yeah. Huh. You, you know what's weird? You know what movie didn't make me feel that way? Seven Samurai. 
One no. no. Seven no. Samurai, twice as long as this yes. movie. Didn't feel it once. No, no. And that's the beauty of it. You know what else? Lawrence of Arabia does not feel as long as this movie. You know what movie feels longer than this? Twelve Monkeys! Wow. <laughs> God. Oh, seriously, near the end, I was like, let's just... The ending of it is really cool, but goddamn getting there is a nightmare. By the way, the sci-fi show, 12 Monkeys, outstanding. Cool. It is fantastic. Sci-fi is... Uh, they are the, weird. They are doing the fucking BBC thing now. Like, hey, green light it. Let's see if it works. Yeah. Or maybe it'll work. Because they be sci-fi is this really weird mix of absolute unwatchable trash and fantastically amazing shows. It's, it's weird. Strange. It's a weird bunch. Yeah. But this is one that I do, I think that there is an age that if you encounter Hunter S. Thompson in the right mindset by a certain age, you're in. It's kind of like with Tolkien. If yeah. uh, the fact that the first, I told you the first time I tried to read the Hobbit, or the Lord of the Rings books, I was 25. No. You were like, oh, God, no. No. What is wrong with you? No. But yeah, that's just no. not going to no. work. Yeah. No. No. Mm. No. Not I, at all. I was like, when was I? 10, 11? That's about the right area. I started reading. I was already done with The Hobbit and yeah. into uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and my dad came in and said, you need to read more books. You need to read my friend Flicker. <laughs> I think I think you need to write read at a higher level. Like, <laughs> do you know what, what this um, is? I've got this. No, no, nothing with elves in it. <laughs> <laughs> but you need to book with some point. horses. Yeah, you have a master's degree in animal science. Chances are you ran across this fella Tolkien uh -huh. in the library. Mm hmm. Yeah, I remember that. I, I had to put that down and then read my friend Flick. I'm like, this is not the same. It's, yeah. it's just, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But, but it's, this it's... is not mm -hmm. what. And then it turned into shit. I didn't realize. I didn't realize Tolkien was that advanced. Mm -hmm. Nope. I'm gonna follow through with that. Charlie, yeah. you have to do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's uh, evidently you know who the, the the biggest fucking Tolkien scholar on the planet is. Hope. Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, like he knows, like he was on set for Hobbit and they're like Tolkien expert. He, he did a trivia off with Colbert and Colbert whooped his ass. Like Spooky. he just knows it. It's insane. Like he did a thing where on a, actually, hold on. I got to, since we're, since we're oddly enough doing a uh, digression. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there was this time where he had, uh, what's his name, um, James Franco on. Hold on. You mean Pedro? Pedro the Dwarf? Yes. <laughs> God. The Colbert Tolkien showdown and the ease with which James Franco tries to throw down some... I, I hear that you you are, were a big Tolkien fan. I am a big I Tolkien fan. I'm, I'm a big fan. Tolkien fan. You, you are not the biggest Tolkien no. fan. I was the biggest Tolkien no, fan. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Why did Galadriel leave the, the blessed realm and come to Middle-earth? Why did Galadriel come over to Middle-earth from know. Valinor? She, I think, was one of the, the people chosen to watch over Middle-earth, along with Gandalf and uh, Elrond. That's an excellent answer. <laughs> I hate to say it's not true. 
Why? She is one of the family of Fianor who crafted the three Silmarils. And when the elves took the blood oath to get the Silmarils back from Morgoth, she came to take the Silmarils. You got yeah, you got it partially the, right. She came to fight Morgoth. But there were there were she, watchers. Well, she was, and no, she, was one of them. She was one of the ring bearers. Yeah, which which ring? Which ring? Which ring? Made for the Elven King. Exactly. <laughs> the next one is great because he tried. Just I'm gonna keep it going. You got a favorite character from Tolkien? You got a favorite character from Lord of the Rings? Gollum is pretty classic. He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. I want to I want to be your art consultant. I want to be, mm. I want to work You've on the show. You've we're changing this. Every week we change. Yeah. New well, I can comment on this. I can get a lot of great, you know, real artist comments on this kind of thing. You can? Yeah. I know them. I know oh, you, them. you. Well, I know a few of them too, Well. <laughs> I think it's got both of them. Then they go to the next time. The next time Franco tries to come after him is goddamn beautiful. Because he like, Because I don't want to ask you any more questions. I just want to talk to you for a I second. I want to have another Tolkien show now. Do you want another Tolkien show? Yeah, let's have another Tolkien Last show. Last time now. you were here, we were having a Tolkien show down, and I, I smoked you like a ham. Well, <laughs> you just said it a little bit more emphatically. Okay, so what do you? Okay, you ask me one, I'll ask you one. All right, I've been uh, reading the this rereading the Cimmerillion lately. Yes. Name me just two, two of the Valar, two of the Valar. Do you want the Valar of water, Olmo, or do you want the hunter Whoa. of the Valar, Orome? Or do you want the Valar of the trees, Ivana? Or do you want the craftsman of the Valar, Alloway? Or do you want the lord of the airs, Manwe? Or do you want his wife, Varda, called Elbreth by the All elves, right. who kindled the stars? You come into my house? You come into my house? How dare you? That was fun. How dare you? Nice. Yes. That's one of those shocking, holy crap. I was not the right age for that. Right. I, try, I tried. To, I, I didn't even look at this. I was a guy who looked at the stand and was like, that's too many pages for a book. <laughs> that's too yeah, many well, pages for a book. Yeah, that 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 happens yeah, with the stand. You read Stephen King's this one or the other, uh -huh. and you live the stand yeah. for that period when you're like a freshman in high school. Right. And right. then you uh, you move on. Yeah, I, and after that you don't you don't care. Yeah, I tried to read the comic for the stand, which was decent, but hit a point where I'm like, I don't care anymore. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I they, read Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when I was, I believe, 22 years old in college. Mm. I was in the wheel house. Yeah, about 21 when yeah. that happened, and and on everything but roller skates. Right at the time, right. so it was on the. That and Jim Goad's honky manifesto were on the toilet of my yeah. apartment that I shared with some guys. I was like, hey. I yeah. never, like, I think, I'm trying to remember, because I didn't drink until I was 22. Right. Uh, and I believe, I do believe that that was, I was drinking mm. when, when I read this book. I was at a point where I was drinking when I read this. Uh and I got it because the movie was coming out, and that was at a time when, like, oh, there's a movie I'm interested in seeing that's got a book based on it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the book, right, right, because uh, that's just how it did things. <sighs> read the book, got to you know where I found the the style of it interesting, but not interesting enough to finish it, mm -hmm. and uh, got that voice in my head. But the problem with both the movie and the book is they come out of the shoot hard. Oh yeah, yeah, but. 
they do not hold up to the end. Mm. They drop off quite a bit because it feels like, you know, this is, I don't even know how long this takes place over, but it's like there's this, the part where they're there for the race. Mm. And then it feels like it just kind of meanders. And after the cop in the desert, it, it feels like it has no rudder. It doesn't know where it's going. And there's no there's no through line to pull you into it. And Hunter S. Thompson would agree with you. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he viewed it as a failed experiment to begin with. Yeah. He mm-hmm. ran, he edited it like five times uh-huh. before he went in uh, right. to his publisher, or as to his editor, rather. Mm-hmm. And... Even then, he kind of looked back of it with kind of, that's yeah. not what I wanted to say. Not right. how I wanted to do it. Even though it's a stream, which it's got to be hard, because you think of his, quote, gonzo journalism idea, uh-huh. yeah, which is, technically speaking, putting yourself in the middle of the story, mm-hmm. using a lot of sarcasm, a stream of consciousness stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you wrangle that? Uh-huh. You, that's a lot of, that's a, a, a lot of, Pairing you've got to do. Right. A lot right. of pruning mm-hmm. for stuff that didn't need much structure anyway, if you're going to call it gonzo. Right. Right. right? Uh-huh. He said, um, if I had told the truth, if I had written the truth, about 600 people and myself would be riding in prison in cells from Rio to Seattle. Wow. And within that statement, you kind of get his genius. Uh-huh. If I had told the truth, I'd have the people be in jail. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. From Rio to Seattle. Yeah. The choice of those words. Yeah. He can. He wrote, I can almost see it. If I had written the truth, about 600 people, yeah, would be rotting in cells from stop. Uh-huh. Hmm. hmm. Oxnard to Vegas. Mm. No. 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 Newark to Pinsett. No. Dallas to Minute. No, no. Rio to Seattle. Yep. Yeah. That sounds good. It's yeah. a Dio way of writing lyrics. It really is. It's like, it that really sounds is, good. Yeah. He was a good, uh, he wrote an art, uh, he had a column on ESPN.com for mm. a while called Hey Rube. Mm. And he writes very much in a carnival barkery. He's oh, very, yeah, yeah. He's good at selling it. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to sell the myth of what this is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to sell this myth and people are going to lock onto it or they're not, but I think I'm going to be able to rope them in with this. Right. It's... I think a lot of his stuff is the victim of his fans. Yeah. There's a temptation, or at least what I hear, a temptation to make Hunter S. Thompson's wildly creative and entertaining writing style... Uh Uh-huh. Something more yeah. when that is enough, right? That's right. enough. Yeah, that's all you. No need. one else wrote like that before nope. him, nope. and people after are not really the same. No, they're and trying, even if you but try, they can't nail it. Even yeah. if you do, even if you stumble across it by fucking accident, right? I'll sometimes write just weird shit. Uh-huh. Wrote a review. Excuse me, Chuck Donis. They wrote a review about. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what it was, but I turned it into any which way but loose, and, right. then I, and then I said, fuck any which way but loose, that's not fun enough. So I just started adding weird shit right. to uh-huh. make it fun for me. Yes. I didn't uh-huh. think anybody else would give a shit, right. but it was fun for me. Yeah. It made me laugh. Yeah. Uh-huh. He is a lot smarter than I'll ever be, or was. So mm-hmm. uh, he just kind of runs off to a tangent and throws in you know, a diamond here or there or a nugget of real insight, real truth. Yeah. Real talent, yeah. Along with all this 
clutter. You know how he wrote. Mm. He yes. would sit down and start typing the Great Gatsby. Right, right. Until he felt the wave that he could ride off of yeah. that because he felt that the Great Gatsby was such a perfect book. Yeah. And I can get that to I get that to mm-hmm. a certain degree where you just sort of roll through a thing until you get yourself ramped up enough to do it right. in your own thing. And I think a lot of that guided why that style works as well as it does, because right. he was very grounded and very focused with what he did with it. Mm-hmm. He was very serious. The writing was always serious. Yes. And um, it, it just felt, it's one of those where I think you're right that his fans make it. I like Joe Rogan a lot. I really sure. do. But he has stated, if I could meet any historical fit, any person from the past, it would be Thompson. And I'm like, really? That mm. My only thought is, like, I, Leonardo da Vinci, no. I mean, there's so many amazing thinkers. And this guy wrote some good stuff. This guy wrote some decent shit. But there oh, yeah, is yeah. that kind of, not cult of personality, but cult of personality connected to what he does here. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with it. It does not offend me. It does not bother me. It is, okay, sure. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not upset about it. No, not in the slightest. Not but the slightest. I, I always got the feeling, listening to him later in life, mm-hmm. reading some of his later stuff, that yeah. he was a, a bit uneasy, half uneasy and half liking the attention yeah. of someone in... Of of this of this legend that he didn't really yeah he got out of his hands got out of control yes uh-huh. uh he and Warren Zevon were very very close mm-hmm. and I can see the same thing with with Zevon I'm yeah. a big evangelist for Zevon yeah. so are say, you as he, as am I yes and, but <laughs> the way I talk about Warren Zevon's music people look at you like um. Really? The guy that wrote Werewolves in London? Yeah. Yeah, but you don't get it, man. Uh-huh. Just think about just think about that. Uh-huh. Think about the lyrics you wrote. That's just, I, I, that's mm. amazing, man. Yeah. Like, uh, all right, dude. Yeah. yeah. I I think he has definitely read some amazing things. I, he had some some great melodies and shit. But, but he was grounded more. He was ground, oh, yeah, So he very could much. look at Hunter and go, dude, you need to calm down. Yeah. And that documentary is all basically Warren Zevon, who did, did plenty of chemicals. Yeah. In his day and everything else. Oh, hey, man. Yeah. Hunter, why don't you just calm down? Right. Yeah. I hate to just calm this. down. Well, this person's coming over. They're going to write an article. Just calm down. Yeah. Because you're not impressing me. Right. I'm not impressing you. Uh huh. But just guys that did things and it happened to catch on. Right. Just mm, Knock bring it d- down. Simmer down now. Simmer down. Simmer down, down a little bit. But as the years go on, people look back at this thing, and like you said earlier, it gets built up in other people's heads. Yeah. Where I don't think it was in Hunter's head. No, uh, uh-uh, no. I, I maybe I'm maybe you're way right, yeah. fucking off, and he was just like, I'm a fucking genius. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. He didn't strike me as that type. That didn't yeah. seem to be the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the simple fact that his only complaint about this movie is uh, the way you, the way you treated the dwarf. Just, uh, I wouldn't have thrown a change. Never thrown. I would never never treated a dwarf in that fashion. Like. <laughs> Okay, oh, okay. Okay, sure. It's an odd sword upon which to die, but hey, brother, you do what hey, you need. Whatever. Uh it's it's a uh... But I think there's that it is being made just like the movie. Right. If you're 16, mm-hmm. maybe smoked a joint. Right. <laughs> listening to 
old records. Yes. And you look at this with a certain, it, it romanticizes to a certain degree. Right. Like in a drug film. Yes. You can look at reviews in IMDb and it's like the greatest movie ever made. Right. Right. You know. Well, there You are... don't understand, you squares right. out there. Yeah. That no. haven't done drugs. I've done all kinds of drugs and uh, I can look at this and go. You are mm. not square, hip, or groovy. You're <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, it becomes hip. Yeah, when he Ruby. let's talk about the different characters in this, and we'll yeah. put. Let's discuss Michael Jeter, <laughs> who I think there is uh, an another addendum, the Jeter addendum to the almost rule. The almost rule has two addendums. If we add this one, the first is if you want to make anything better, add Edward James almost to it. Mm-hmm. The almost rule. There is then the Lindo addendum, which is if you want to make anything better. Add Delroy Lindo to it, (laughs) and it is better. And I think Michael Jeter deserves his own addendum to this as well. Putting Michael Jeter in something automatically makes it better. Yes. And so, yes, there we are. We have got the... The the the, the two addendums and that's these will be added to as things go on. His performance in this is so goddamn good. Just <laughs> the, the calmness of it, but the weirdness of it. He can balance those because he has that look. Yeah, yeah. We're like, you might be a for real crazy person, might you? He he came in the middle of Fisher King and yeah. ran away with it. Oh yeah, I mean, and that is one of those things like the movie The Birdcage. Mm. Nathan Lane stole the show. From Robin Williams. And then this fucking Azaria guy rolls in and steals it from both of them. And you have Jeff Daniels and Robin Williams kicking ass and taking names. And then Jeter rolls in and he's like, hold on a moment. Yes. And takes it. Just takes it. Like, fuck. (laughs) And in this, you have Depp and Del Toro killing it. And then in one scene, one fucking scene. Jeter's like, hold on. <laughs> Let me show you how it's done. Sit back in that chair right there. Let me show you how it's done. Yeah. And yeah. kills it. He's so fucking good. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Del Toro. What I like about Del Toro in this is that funny balance he strikes. Because first off, Oscar Zeta Acosta yeah. is a terrifying individual if you think about him. Sure. And you read about him. There was a time where... Thompson would talk about Zeta Acosta's return mm-hmm. with genuine fear. Yes. Where it's like, no, you, he's coming back someday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's, holy fuck when he does. And like I, I said during, during the movie, mm-hmm. um, his Del Toro's Acosta, yeah, he's funny and, and mm-hmm. wild and unpredictable, but uh-huh. dangerous. Yes. And he's dangerous. Yes. Whereas... Uh, Peter Boyle's Laszlo in Buffalo Rome is uh, yeah, there's danger there. Yeah, but to be sure, but he's played more for comedy, more yeah, for laughs. Yeah, in this one, oh man, it's it's so it's so much closer to the bone of the problem with drugs and wanting to do drugs. If you do, I don't recommend it. But if you do and you decide yeah. to go down that road, realize you're going to have to deal with a lot of unsavory characters. Yes, and. Acosta in this is a wonderful pastiche of all of them. Yes. All of the unsavory characters you're going to meet in one Mm -hmm. drug-fueled, cat-eyed, maniac package with a knife and or gun. Yeah, yeah. 
he is fucking. You just don't know, as he says. Yeah. You, you can turn your back on a person, but you cannot turn your back on a drug. Nope. And I like I, I avoided those people like the plague because there was just something about them that was. Oh man, it, it'll I give you the these. fear. There are a couple yeah. of scenes that it's not the filth they're in or the drugs right. they're doing or the. Uh-huh. the hyper reality that they're in of uh, Vegas. Uh Just a couple of odd turns, Mm -hmm. looks, sweaty, paranoid looks across the room Uh that remind me of a few paranoid, sweaty looks across the room with unsavory characters with weapons. It's one of those things where entering that hotel room, any of those hotel rooms, if you're okay staying... Okay, wow, you fucked up with life pretty bad. But then you take beyond that, you're not just okay with staying, but you're okay staying with that guy. Your normal is being in that room with the American flag done on the wall with ketchup and what the fuck ever. Right. And with that guy who drops his pistol in the toilet and attacks the maid coming in. Yeah. And you're okay with that. That's, you know, out here. Sounds good. You fucked up. We're going to be so high and okay with it that when he ostensibly threatens a waitress with a knife. Yeah. You just sit back and say, eh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Did that I, happen? If it did happen and, and uh, Raoul, Wink, Hunter didn't do anything, man, well, that, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Chances are it didn't happen at all. Right. I don't remember. Did did we ever see what the note he gave her said? Backdoor beauty? Question mark. Okay. Yeah, that was the name of a ro- that was the name of a horse that I, I bet on once. And versus Ellen Barkin, who is just as you said, just oozes sexiness. She can't help it. She is that is that rarefied note. She is not a beautiful woman. She is a sexy woman. <sighs> She goes beyond beautiful into this realm of you can't. I'm sorry, even at her age now, you look at her, you can't think straight. It's just no. I, I'm just like looking at the sun. Yeah, I'm baffled here. I'm baffled. I, I I feel hunted. Yeah, the fact that you add to it <laughs> that she is a great actress oh, yeah, just makes it unfair. Yeah, but yes, and her in that role, she's like, my God, she is just. Gorgeous, and she's frightened. Did you want to kill that? Guy oh God, for yeah. Doing it? Oh yeah. Want, but better yet, uh-huh. you want her to kill him. Yes. Yeah. You want her to have that moment of, yeah. like in Red Belt, when it's you know, uh. here's how you defend your. Here is how you take it back. God damn, that movie's good. It really is. I gotta watch it again. Oh yeah. Tonight. Yeah. You now, a, you have a copy of it? I do not. Okay, I'll let you borrow mine. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's. It is. It's it's upsetting to see, like, dude, you, like I, I said, just let him do that. That's yeah, it's fucked. That's fucked up. It's fucked up. You know, that's because they're what... not friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they are. Right. You're just tethered to this fucking madman, mm-hmm. real or make believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, mm-hmm. so much of this was probably yeah. them just drunk by the pool. Right. Yeah. You. They, remember, they probably dropped some acid. Mm-hmm. Dropped some red sunshine. Stumbled about the strip. Right. Got loaded. Probably got thrown out of a couple, few places. Uh-huh. Threats were made. Yeah. But I mean, if any, if if a quarter of this is true. Yeah. yeah holy shit. Six hundred people would be there. Six hundred people. Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Holy shit. Yep. Holy moly. 
Maybe, and it, and I think that's part of it. Is mm-hmm. and I, someone else. Um, this is not my uh, my description, but someone else used this uh, describing Thompson prior to his death. Um, people love an outlaw that gets away with it. Uh huh. I can't remember who wrote that, but it's not mine. Right. It's true. That's, people yeah. really do like an outlaw that gets away with it. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's okay. Yeah. No one's dead. Right. He's all right. Mm-hmm. Pro- again, prior to right. him blowing his head off with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Now it kind of, there's an asterisk by yeah. that statement. Yeah. Because he didn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he could, you, another way of looking at it is he did it his way, went yeah. on his terms, I suppose. Yeah. Other ways, say his mental chemistry was so fucking monkey-fucked yeah. and fried from everything he did that he uh-huh. finally just, he was so debilitated. Yeah, he, he just, couldn't deal with it couldn't anymore. Deal with it. And it's, it's one of those, yeah, I do look at him and I, I remember saying to you, like, man, he didn't do anything during that scene with the waitress. Like, yeah, he's yeah. seeing this woman who your friend was an asshole to, she had the nerve to say something about it. Yeah. And he pulls a fucking knife on her. Yeah, it's fucked up. Like, that, I'm not okay with that. No, nor should you be. And nor, yeah, no one should be okay with that. So, fucking Again, thing. unsavory yeah. characters. Exactly, yeah. If you want to roll in that, you roll that deep mm-hmm. in that world. Yeah. I'm talking about getting an ounce of weed. Uh-huh. Or, in, or if you're in Colorado, rolling down to the clinic. Yeah. Or the we're, shop. We're talking about a human being who requested a fresh fucking adrenal gland <laughs> to chew on. Yeah. What? 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 Again, if that's true if or that's not. that's true or not. Because I mean, that is also, again, it's the romanticizing of all of that that was never really what people made it to be. Like they, I remember seeing somebody talking once about, you know, San Fr- oh, if you're going to San Francisco, wear some flowers in your hair. Like, no, in that time, if you were going to that part of San Francisco, have a fucking gun. Yeah. Because yeah. it was dangerous. Yeah. It was fucking, da- it was a lawless area yeah. that had some crazy shit going down. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's there, there's a point, <laughs> but yeah. It does get scary. There is a point in that where it's, God, no, 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 no. no. Plenty of times I've found myself in a situation where I'm around, I'm surrounded by people I don't want to be around. Someplace yeah. I'm not really sure how to get out of or, or how far away uh-huh. I can get away from this. Right. And even if I want to, I can't. Yeah. Because my head is too fucked up with whatever I'm doing. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a good experience. Good experience. No, it's a pleasant time. It's a cool time. Yeah, you don't feel very much like a rebel or an outlaw at that Mm, point. No, uh -uh. when you when you're you can't control your heart or that little meme on the internet of the of Barney, whatever. It's like when Uh. you're when the drugs have kicked in so are so hard. All you're trying to do is not die. Yeah, kind of like that. But you never do it by yourself. Yeah, it's always surrounded in a certain age. Uh-huh. Surrounded by a bunch of people you don't really want to be around, and you can't right. go anywhere. Now you're trapped. Yeah. And now it's like every goddamn PSA you ever heard, or the, or the Reagan administration would just say yeah. no, and like rolling around in your head. I had family members who did drugs, and I saw the I saw how they behaved, and I saw how Mance. the people they hung out with with drugs, yeah. and I was like, wow, these people fucking are fucking awful. Yeah. I don't want to be around them. No. I don't want anything to do with this. Right. And that is the reason that I was straight edge until I was twenty. Two, sure, and I fucking you. I don't let I, me paint a picture oh, that yeah. I was like, oh yeah, you, you fucking you, snorting coke off some uh, kidnapped hooker in yeah Buenos Aires oh, with no, the cartel, right? No, I no, mean no, it but, wasn't that bad. No, no, no but it was do, bad enough. Yeah, you were doing well. 
it was bad enough that you could say I was in a drug scene. And that's yes, what yes, the, yes. I was the type who just was like, nah, I can't, I don't want to be around that because I saw, I saw right, what yeah. it was. And just, there was no part of me that was interested in ever being around that. Yeah. So I just, no, I'm walking away. Can't, cannot have this, cannot deal with this. Uh, it's not for me. Yeah. And it, it, it's again, that, that, that sort of thing where I saw the, even in movies like this, I looked at this like, fuck. Yeah. No, no. I don't want to be around no, a yeah. person like this <clears throat> ever. And my experience is giving me the perspective to look at this. Just like, this is just awful. Yeah, yeah. This whole time, this is a bad time. Yeah. yeah. This is a bad time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone with your kind of mind yeah. um, should not be doing this to yourself. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Why? Oh, yeah. Why? I was always the like painfully analytical where I would weigh what trouble will this get me in? Ugh. How much good will it do me? Let me weigh those two again. Oh no, yeah, it's not nope. No. Not doing it. Not here. Yeah, that's the way my mind always worked. It was risk versus reward. And it had to be a ratio that tipped it into the reward <laughs> the, the, you know, favor of the reward before I'd even knew. But other than that, like, no, don't need that shit in my life. Yeah, well, I wish I could say that uh, I knew better, but no one better was ever my problem. Right, right. Oh, man. Well, dude, I just realized we have actually somehow talked for a full hour about this. Okay, holy shit. Fire weather watch in effect for Leander from Monday uh, noon until Monday 6th. What the fuck does that fire weather? Fire weather means dry and windy. windy. Yes, Jesus Christ! It is February. Yes. Oh <laughs> God, damn it! I was really. If hoping... only someone would get upon this climate change problem. Yes. Uh, well, Bernie Sanders will. I think that we've uh, we've hit about as much as we can on this. Don't drugs, you? drugs, drugs. Writing, writing, writing. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Hunter S. Thompson's pretty good writer. Uh huh. Legendary, that's for other people. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I think we should just wrap up there and say thank you for listening. Make sure you check out Life Masters and the Masterthon. Go to www.thefilmthugs.com for more content and to visit our sponsors. Contact us at thefilmthugs at gmail.com or call 512-666-RANT. We are also available on Skype at the underscore film underscore thugs and on Twitter and Facebook. So thanks for joining us next week. Oh, could you hand me those DVDs right there? All right. Next week, we dive back into the French New Wave Cinema with uh, Stolen Kisses by Francois Truffaut, the follow-up to The 400 Blows. And we're also going to talk about uh, the short film uh, that was made for TV called Antoine and Colette, Mm. which takes us what happens between 400 Blows and Stolen Kisses. So until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. What the fuck is this? (laughs) What the fuck? Oh. Wow. Now there's some sexiness. Yes. Oy, oy, oy.
know, yeah, this is one of those movies that definitely occupies a certain time period. If this had been made as this was when the book was new, fucking forget about it. Until next time, don't you go change it.